This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. This Irish man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. This is the Freedom's Disciple podcast. I am your host, Jonathan Dunn. I hope you're having a wonderful Saturday. I hope you're doing something fun with friends and family, doing a hobby, or just chilling out. I also hope the weather is a lot better where you are than where it is with me. It's really, really cold over here. Um, And such, I have a bit of a chest infection and flu, so apologies for the voice. Today's show is going to be pretty hard. Um... It's a show I've been working on a while and I'm excited to to lay out a case for you. I believe America is at a tipping point of revolution. That is not up for debate in my eyes, the way I see your country. What is up for discussion is what type of revolution you have and how many you will have. Today I'm going to make the case to you of why I believe you're at revolution. And in many ways you are already showing the signs of it through the actions of both political parties and your people. How attitudes have changed. Now I know listening to the, as you listen to this segment and probably segment two and segment three, it's kind of going to give you, it might make you feel really down or it might upset you or I might paint a very bleak picture of America. I would ask you to stay with me during this show as I as I lay out the case as I see it. But also at the end, I'm going to start giving solutions. Because one thing I will say from the onset, for people using the labels that you would be used to in everyday language, the people on the right, the conservatives, the constitutionalists, the libertarians, the one thing we need to do is we need to see opportunity everywhere I've been building up to this show for a couple of weeks last week's show was very deliberate where I broke down the individual where I asked questions of what would you do if you were me and you lived in a utopia there was a reason I asked that one I wanted to get you to think but secondly to see the society you live in and I hope it made you think because for me the insults from everyone it's just unbelievable Um, the insults that go around on a daily basis where we can no longer agree to disagree Um, it it frightens me in many ways technology is wonderful but I also think it has taken the aspect of you know I can say something behind my computer to you I can call you a moron or an idiot and it means nothing whereas if I'm talking to you face to face I don't think people would say half the stuff they say I don't know whether it is they get brave or they lose their they lose their willingness of their brain to engage and say no maybe you shouldn't say that I don't know what it is but today's show is going to be tough Um, And I'd ask you to stay with me. So I believe you're at a revolutionary tipping point. Why do I say that? Well, I would ask you to look at both parties. And I would ask you to forget the 
personalities involved. I would ask you to forget the people you like that you think are good guys or good girls and, and that they always are standing for things. I just ask you to look at both parties for a second. And I would ask you to say, where do you think their real priorities lie? Is there anyone within the sound of my voice that honestly thinks the vast majority of people in both sides, the Democrats and the Republicans, actually truly care about you? Or let me ask the question a different way. Do you think there is any politician in D.C. on either side of the party who would say the following? I care more about you than I do my own political power. I care more about doing the right thing, and if it costs me election, so be it. And I don't mean saying this for show to, to get brownie points. I mean actually truly believe it. Would take a silent, principled stand to do the right thing if they knew they weren't going to keep their position. How many do you think would do that? Yet, most people will say that's the vast majority of politicians in both parties. Yes. We still go to political stump speech and we watch them on the media and we watch them in interviews go, I care for you so much. I'm going to stand for you. I'm going to be a warrior for the middle class. I'm going to be a warrior and break down racial tensions. I'm going to be a warrior, warrior, warrior. And yet so many people buy it. There is political revolution within the two parties. Because one thing is clear. Whether you like him or you don't, Donald Trump has changed the rate politics in many ways in America. The old good old boy club is over for the GOP. But I'll get to them in a minute. You have both parties struggling to hang on to power. Look at the Democratic presidential um, election and the way it's set up. You take the superdelegates, and a superdelegate, for those who are listening who are not sure, a superdelegate is what the Democrats have in a certain amount of states. They have... Every governor is one delegate. Every member of Congress in the House and the Senate is one delegate. And then they have these honorary positions and people in the DNC. And they're equal to one delegate. Even though you can have a state with 10 million people and 200,000 Democrats vote and they might only get 20 delegates, that one person is worth one delegate. In the Democratic race, you need 2,383 delegates to become the Democratic nominee for president. Yet there are 717 superdelegates. That means, technically, it ha- I don't think it's ever happened, at least in my research it hasn't, you could have 717 delegates beside your name before one person, one average person, average Joe like you has voted the score could be 717 to 0 and not one normal average person who doesn't wield political power has voted that is 33% of your nomination 
In fact, you look at the skewed race of the Democrats right now. You, you see the scorecard of the delegates. And the media will put this figure out. Oh, Hillary Clinton has a shoe in. It's 1,052 delegates to Hillary. She's nearly 50% of the way there. But Bernie Sanders only has 427. The race is over for him. Yes, he'll probably go to convention. And yes, he got all this money. But the race is over. Do you know the figure they'll never tell you? Because in many ways this race is a show. You take away all those superdelegates, you know, all those, the people who have power voting. This race is 598 to 408 to Hillary Clinton. That sounds like a competitive race, does it not? Yes. You listen to the media. You listen to Hillary Clinton herself. Her speech the other night was a coronation and she was moving towards the general election she was building it up to her versus Trump are you telling me people aren't going to start noticing this look at the Republican side they're now talking on the media the talking heads, the spin doctors oh, well do you know what for the Republican party to win it looks like it's going to be a brokered convention you look at all the spin that's coming out of the media including people I know some of people listen to this will love Fox News and are fans of Fox News that's fine but you, I watched it for Tuesday night for the elections because it was the only option I had I was watching that and I had the Blaze Radio dock and skip on and I was listening to all these talking heads and I watched some of the coverage before and after it and here's what I heard there is clearly no path to victory for Marco Rubio. Yet he's going to stay in the race and he should. I've even heard rumours that Mitt Romney's going to throw in now. I'm hearing all the stories about this super PAC. That only going to stand against Trump. But it doesn't seem to... I don't know whether their messaging is going to change. But it isn't going to be for anyone. It's just going to tear him down. And all this talk about a brokered convention... Both parties see their power as slipping, especially the GOP. The GOP are seeing their power slip away. You can argue on the success or failure of it, that's for another show. The Tea Party has had a huge influence on the GOP. Would you have liked it to be more? Absolutely ten times tenfold, a hundredfold. But the Tea Party has put a spotlight, and groups like Freedom Works have put a spotlight on the GOP, and many people are wakening up. Again, whether you like him or not, it's clear Donald Trump has identified one thing correctly. He noticed the GOP was weak, was timid, and lacked a backbone. They're spineless. And any time, whether it's in politics, whether it's in business, whether it's just in everyday life, if you see someone who is weak and timid, there's always an opportunity for a strong, iron-fisted leader to get in there and to yield his power. 
Trump saw that opportunity and he has taken full advantage of it. But let's walk on to the people. Let's go back to the, the good old Democratic Party. If you read Marx, and again I spoke, I gave his checklist to communism a couple of weeks ago. If you haven't listened to it, please check it out. But if you actually read Marx's own words, his path to utopia is clear. To get to Marxism for the West, well, first we need them to abandon capitalism and embrace socialism. And then when they embrace socialism, we need to, them to stop that and embrace communism. It was a very simple goal. Bernie Sanders is an admitted socialist. I would ask you to think back to four years ago, eight years ago, Heck, let's go back all the way back to those many years ago, to 2000s. Bush versus Gore. If I'd said to you, you know what? Let me actually use a movie, one of my favorite movies. If I got onto Doc and Marty McFly and I said, hey, you know what? I need to borrow that DeLorean for a few minutes. And I want to go back to America in 2000. Just 16 short years ago. And I walked onto the street and I held a sign. You know one of those signs? You know those billboards and I put it on me? You know, the world is going to end. Or, you know, Jesus is near. Or, you know, all these billboards. You know, advertising restaurants. You know, they're cool. And I walked down Times Square. I'll go to a liberal city. I won't go to Texas. I'll go to the liberal bastion of New York City. Which is Rudy Giuliani as mayor. And I had a big sign. In 16 years... The Democratic Party will have Hillary Clinton and a socialist running for president. And it isn't a landslide to Clinton. How would people respond to me? How do you think you would have responded to me? How would you respond? Bernie Sanders is not just a token gesture in this race. Bernie Sanders in many ways has also changed the democratic political landscape. It's not like he's, oh, he's this cute old guy and yeah, he's running against Hillary and he's getting 20, 25% of the vote. You know, he's, he's reaching those uber, uber left liberals, you know, who, who were pretty much admit they are socialist. No, he's actually doing really well. He's won New Hampshire, he's won Colorado, he's won Minnesota, he's won Oklahoma, he's won Vermont. Some of the states he's lost, he's been really close in. Iowa, 49%. Nevada, 47%. Massachusetts, 48%. But even I'd ask you another question. The states he has lost, because he's lost many states, Ask yourself, what is the reason that the people are talking about the reason he's lost? South Carolina, 26%. Alabama, 20%. Arkansas, 30%. Georgia, 29%. Tennessee, 32%. Texas, 33%. Vermont, 35%. Ask yourself, what are the media saying to you? Just look at the media for what they said on Tuesday. Was 
did all those states where he did really badly and got between 20 and 35% of the vote, was that a rejection of socialism? Was that a rejection of his policies? No. I've never, I've yet to hear one pundit on TV say that. However, what I have heard, because I've been watching CNN for a few minutes each day, is, well, one thing is clear from Super Tuesday. Hillary Clinton is back. The black vote has returned to Hillary Clinton, in some places winning 92% of the vote. Huh. So the states Bernie has lost, it isn't because they reject socialism or socialism is a bad idea. It's, well, the black vote went back to Hillary Clinton. Hmm. Does that sound like the basis of a revolution to you? Again, think about it. Karl Marx. Capitalism to socialism to communism. I think there's something in there for you to think about for a few minutes. So I'm going to take a quick break, analyze that, and start thinking about the revolution and the changes that you're seeing in society. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. What, the party establishment is going to engage in all kinds of Machiavellian machinations to try to thwart the will of the majority of voters within the GOP at a convention to take the nomination away from Trump, if in fact he is the frontrunner going into it? And then you think the party's going to be healthy afterwards? You're saying, oh, well, because otherwise the whole thing is done. And isn't the whole thing done if GOP voters no longer get to pick who GOP candidate is? Buck Sexton. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. Before we continue, if I may ask you a favor, if you happen to listen on iTunes to this, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, if you could consider giving a making a rating on the show and leaving a comment or a review, I'd really appreciate it. We're trying to um, boost iTunes has a thing the more ratings you get you kind of move up in the filters so if you happen to listen on iTunes please consider leaving a rating and a review for the show um, I really would appreciate it before we continue also I want to just I think it would help for the mindset of revolution if I give you a definition of revolution and it's not my definition it's from Merriam Webster's dictionary revolution a sudden radical or complete change a fundamental change in political organization especially the overthrow of one government or ruler and the substitution of another by the government another definition activity or movement designed to affect fundamental changes in the socio-economic situation another one a fundamental change in the way of thinking about or visualizing something a change of paradigm. And lastly, a changeover in use or preference, especially in technology. Today it seems when I talk, because if you've listened to me for on this show for 
several months or if you followed me a lot longer, you will have heard me maybe at different times call for a revolution of ideas. I firmly believe we need a revolution. And when I talk to people and I can see their facial reactions and I use the word revolution of ideas, you can almost sense this pullback that says, he used the word revolution. Oh my God, John wants a civil war. No, I said a revolution of ideas. There seems to be this pattern where people think revolution is intertwined with violence, with war, with killing. It isn't. America just didn't have the American Revolution. It had the Industrial Revolution. So, revolution means a change of ideas. And I do believe we need, to quote Merriam-Webster's dictionary, the first one, a sudden, radical, or complete change. I think we need that type of revolution. I finished that last segment talking about Bernie Sanders. And I hope you thought during the break, Karl Marx said, capitalism to to socialism to communism. You now have many Democrats openly embracing a socialist. Now, is he going to win this election? No. But one of the most important terms we always need to remember is the precedent this is setting. If in 2016 people are willing to take the hood off and say, yeah, I'm a socialist. And if people are willing to go along and vote for it. Especially troubling if you break down the the demographics is the amount of young people who are voting for Bernie Sanders. What will it be like in 2020? 2024? 2028? The other thing, on the right, how have people changed on the right? Well, I've been following politics for a very long time. My first election was Bush versus Gore. Now, granted, we didn't have Twitter and Facebook and hashtags back in 2000. But last weekend, I saw something I've never seen before. I saw a hashtag trend pretty much all weekend. Never Trump. It's clear the Republican Party is fracturing in many ways, especially around its base. I remember the good old days where the Republican Party was kind of two factions. You had the moderate Republicans and then you had the Conservatives. It seems sadly to many who are quote-unquote Conservatives, Conservatism has become a dirty word. It's now nationalism and populism and agrarianism. Apparently these are the new buzzwords conservatives are supposed to buzz around and go goo-ga-ga-ga for. But look how you've changed. Look at how many people, if you don't dare vote for Donald Trump, look at how people respond to you. You look at Ben Sass. And the response he's gotten. Because he said, I don't think I could vote for Donald Trump. 
Voting is a very personal thing. You're putting your name to someone. Look at the response. He's been attacked. He's been destroyed. He's been told things like, well, if you dare vote against Trump, that's a vote for Hillary. Is this the country you want to live in? What about free choice? But what's changed dramatically in my 15, 16 years been both around campaigns and some campaigns somewhat close to and I was involved in a campaign in Ireland in the last 15, 16 years is the attitude towards voters on two platforms one the few campaigns I've worked closely with or helped out you used to have to go out and earn a vote and as someone who has been a conservative for 15, 16 years when I started getting into politics we used to have I've been around many losing campaigns is what I'm trying to say but when you lost you would sit around and you'd discuss it with your friends and your family and the people around and you'd say why did we lose and there was any number of excuses we didn't do enough our message wasn't right um, the people rejected the principles we spoke for um, we didn't have enough money was sometimes an excuse didn't have enough volunteers um, we were fighting in a blue state many excuses you can think of many why political campaigns fail you said something you shouldn't have there was a controversy um, something was taken out of context um, there are many excuses but every time the campaigns I was involved in you just kind of used it as an experience and said let's move on let's never you know let's get better in 15 short years I've seen where politicians go out and earn your vote and work hard for your vote to it's pretty much accepted you have to vote for them and if you don't vote for them you're going to get a lot of hate you're going to get told you're a sellout, you're a hack, you're an idiot, you're effectively voting for the under candidates. It's changed. You look at people, the reason, and this is not political operatives, it is partly, but I've seen people on the ground, just people who are just voters and not involved in political campaigns on social media going, well, you know, you conservatives cost Romney the election. And I don't want to dig up all ground, but I've seen this many times over, not just on Mitt Romney. But Mitt Romney, since we're talking about presidential elections, we'll talk 2012, it's the last one. Mitt Romney was cost the election by conservatives. No, Mitt Romney cost Mitt Romney the election. No, Chris Christie cost Mitt Romney the election. No, Karl Rove and all the other hacks cost Mitt Romney the election. And the person who gave him debate prep and debate ideas cost Mitt Romney the election. If I don't vote for you, it's because you haven't earned my vote. Not because, well, I, I sat there, calculated and thought, yeah, you know what, it'd be fun to watch the country burn. But the second thing, 
and it's also linked to what I was just talking about in voting. It started by the political class for people who would have similar beliefs to myself. Are you just a wacko bird? Or you're a right-wing nutjob? That was started by the politicians. But now you look at how people talk to each other. Oh, you're just a purist. You're just an ideologue. Huh. So standing for principles is now to be frowned upon. How else have the right, quote-unquote, changed? Well, it seems the right want many of your fellow citizens, again, to go goo-ga-ga-ga over what letter is beside someone's name. It seems principles and policies and what you stand for just goes out the window. It seems, for many, the argument is this simple. Democrat bad, Republican good. If that's what you're basing your decisions on, then, quite honestly, you deserve to fail. If all you can base your opinion on and what you fight so passionately for and what you speak out for and what you insult and demean others for is a letter oh they have a D beside their name bad hate them you have an or oh I love you you're just so wonderful won't you go to the dinner with me I just want to bring you out you are just so wonderful and now the question that's going to pee a lot of people off If all you do is vote based on the letter beside someone's name, how are you different from quite a few of Barack Obama's supporters? How are you different from Hillary Clinton's supporters? After all, some Barack Obama supporters vote him because, well, he's black. We need our first black president. Nothing about his character, just his race. There are now many people who are voting for Hillary Clinton because, oh gosh darn it, we just need to break that glass ceiling and have a female president. You're basing your vote not on policy, not on principles, but on genitalia. And yet many Republicans would say, look down on that and insult those and demean those. And yet they follow their action by going, Ooh, I'm voting based on a letter. Yeah, you can't vote based on someone's race. Bad. Can't vote for someone based on their genitalia. Bad. But me? Now I'm voting because they have a letter beside their name. Also, to people who are offended by this, what is that message saying? Just step aside for a minute. What are you saying to those in power? You're saying, no matter what you do, no matter what you say, you can come out to me and my constituency and you can flirt and dance at me all night long and you can say all the things I like that I believe in a primary. Oh, secure the borders. Make the economy strong. 
less regulation, less taxes. Oh, I love you so much. And then you can go off to D.C. and do none of it. In fact, this is what the GOP did. If you remember when, we got to get the house. Oh, we got the house. Oh, well, you know, we're John Boehner. Uh, we're only one half and one third. We need the Senate. And you got the Senate. And then you had this fancy program they did. This fancy program dossier they released and everyone had it when they got into the Senate. You know, 10 things in 100 days we're going to accomplish. We're just going to work so gosh darn hard. And after about day 10 it was forgotten. In fact, I haven't heard anyone talk about the 10 things in 100 days in a long time. And here's the thing, they're in power a lot more than 100 days. You were saying to them, well, just because you have an or, I'm always going to support you because, well, you're better than the person with the D beside their name. They don't have to earn your vote. They have you controlled. You're, there, you're saying to them, yeah, you can do anything you want. Go there, screw the people, because when it comes to election, well, you know what? I'm going to, not only am I going to believe the or is better than the D, but I'm going to fight for it, and I'm going to demean and insult and destroy anyone who dares disagree with me. I remember Martin Luther King had that famous, famous controversial statement. Judge a man by the content of his character, not the color of his skin. Well, how great would it be if in 2016 we actually believed, because I do believe many conservatives either at least like Martin Luther King, but if you're a conservative like me and share some of my values, you pretty much love Martin Luther King, the reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. How great would it be if we actually took his message and said, yeah, let's base it on the content of character. Not, oh, David Norby said their name. Yeah, that's me, sold, done, dusted. I would ask you, as I'm about to take another break, I'm trying something different in this show to get you to think during the commercial breaks. I would ask you, look at the revolution that's happening in your hearts and your minds, the big changes that you're doing. And I would ask you to think about the GOP, that grand old party, the party of McConnell, Ryan and Boehner, the party of John McCain. Oh, oh, oh. What are the eternal principles? What are the principles that are eternal to these men? Because apparently compromise is good. And people like me who dare have an ideology of, well, I believe in the Bill of Rights and I believe in, let's just throw one out there. Oh, I don't know, the freedom of speech. I kind of believe there is no compromise. What is the compromise on the freedom of speech? Well, on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you can say anything you want, but Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and every second Sunday, you got to shut the hell up. Is that what the compromise you want? But then again, I am an ideologue on free speech. You know, call me a wacko bird. What is the right to, you know, I don't know. Let's go to Second Amendment. Hmm, the right to bear arms and defend yourself. Yeah, I'm kind of a wacko ideologue on that one as well. Yeah, I believe you have the right. I'm, I'm, I'm an extremist. I believe you have the right to protect yourself. I believe you have the right not to have someone else tell you how you can live. Hmm. What's the compromise in that, huh? Well, again, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you can have a gun. Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, you can't. you got to give them into the police station. 
Oh, I don't know. Let's go through the... Oh, how about we got a Fourth Amendment? Hmm. I believe I have the right to privacy in my persons, in my belongings. Hmm. What's the compromise in that? Well, during the day, you can be in your private in your persons, but at night, nah, it's all... You're available for anything. Anybody can do anything. We can have warrantless wiretaps. We can listen to you. We can monitor you. Because at night, well, it's just a compromise, John. You can't be an ideologue. You know, you can't be one of these purists. They're bad. What is the compromise on some of these principles? Now, if you don't share these principles, I'm okay with that. What are the principles the GOP stand for? You know, the things that, hmm, we don't compromise on. Sorry, I said we, I mean you, because I'm not a Republican. I would be ashamed to belong to that party. Let me give you one last one. Because this is a Republican principle. Well, it used to be. It wasn't that long ago where people used to say, well, you know, the one thing about the Republicans is the tax rates are low. Hmm. The party of low taxes. Where did that go? Huh? Was being the party of low taxes, was that just a purist and an ideological view? Did we have to compromise on that as well? Let us cast your mind back to, oh, I don't know, six years ago, John Boehner going around telling the American people, we just need the gavel back. You know, Nancy Pelosi's a dreadful speaker of the House, and the American people went and voted. And what was one of the first things Johnny Boehner did? Oh, he got the gavel and he got the power and he raised taxes. So whether you like it or not, the revolution is there. Things are changing. It seems to be people and party first and principle second. If you think of an eternal principle the GOP stand for, tell me. I'll issue a correction. I will on next week's show offer an apology. You tell me what the GOP's eternal principles are, except for big government and more power for themselves. I'm on Twitter at Freedom Disciple. I'm not hard to find. I'll be right back, America. You're listening to Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Jeff Fisher Show. If you're in a drought, and you haven't had a day, the women don't smell another woman on you. So they're not even interested in you. Something has got to be wrong with you, right? You go out on that date, and you get that scent of another female on you. Other females say, other women want this man. There must be something there. Now I want this man. That's the Jeff Fisher Scientific Theory. The Jeff Fisher Show. Saturday morning, 6 to 8 Eastern, on the Blaze Radio Network. Versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. I hope today's show is making you think about how much you really have changed. You really are going through the early stages of a revolution. Before I get to what type of revolution you're going to have and then lay out the path for the revolution I hope you have, I want to 
ask you to think over the weekend of eternal principles, but how do we fight things? The one thing that has really shocked me, the last couple of shows have been, especially the Supreme Court one, and you can get those on SoundCloud or iTunes anytime. The one thing that really bothered me about it was the amount of conservatives who said they were conservatives who didn't see and didn't get the underpa- under the importance sorry, of fighting the right way. The amount of people who didn't actually say the following phrase but spoke like they believed it was the ends justify the means. The amount of people who said, I don't care once we just don't get another liberal on that court job. And some people were blatant about it. And I find that, personally I find that deeply troubling. But that is another change you have made on the right. Process matters. Principles matter. How you fight matters. Now I get it that people don't share the love of the Constitution that I have. I wish maybe, actually I don't wish you anyone to live over here, but my upbringing and pretty much hate for democracy has made me love the Constitution all that more. How you fight matters. Because here's the thing. If you have the left and the Democratic Party and Barack Obama, I got a pen, I got a phone, ignoring the Constitution. The right job, using the paradigm you be deal used to, is to enforce the Constitution even more and love it and embrace it even more to counteract their negativity. However, it sadly seems that their negativity is met by, well, we just ignore it as well. And eventually, the Constitution is hanging by a thread. And by ignoring it, it's just going to get worse. But even the arguments that you see on Twitter, and on Facebook, and on social media, and on articles. I saw one the other day, and it really troubled me. Oh, well, you know, anyone who doesn't vote or doesn't vote for the Republican doesn't have a right to complain. This revolution of thought has eroded the rights, the Constitution. You used to believe rights came from God. It's been eroded over time to, well, rights actually come from government. That's true, the whole democracy project. You know, rights come from, well, wherever our industrious leader says we can do, we can do. And it now appears that it's gone one step further. It's, well, rights become from a certain action. You know, well, did you vote? Yeah, you did. Then you have rights. If you didn't vote, no, you don't. This is what you're progressing towards. Now, I'm not judging America or I'm not judging the individual because a few people have said that to me or said something similar. You know, vote for a vote against Trump in the general elections, a vote for Hillary, and they just can shut up. Huh. But today's election, in many ways, is a revolution and ever who wins and I don't mean who wins 2016 I mean wins overall will determine what country America becomes and let me explain first of all Bernie Sanders 
I believe the one thing Bernie Sanders has done is he has enforced the beliefs of whatever you want to call them Leninists, Stalinists, Marxists, Communists, Ardent Socialists, Democracy Socialists, whatever fancy buzzword they use today or that will come out because they, they'll surely change, you know, the progressives. Is that America is receptive to a socialist message. America is receptive to the idea of more government. Even though government is involved in every part of their lives. Again, here's the thing for you if you disagree with me right now, listen. Please feel free to tell me and tweet me or send me a Facebook message. Freedom's Disciple or Irish John. What part of your life is the government not involved in? Just think about that over the weekend. It'll frighten you. The government now has an involvement in your car, your bed, your toilet, what water, the amount of water that can flow in your toilet, to the food you eat. It's involved in every aspect of your life. And this election proves that, yeah, well, you know what? The government should play a more active role. That will lead to communism. Again, I keep saying this and I apologize if I'm annoying you, repeating myself, but it has to be emphasized. Marx's own words, capitalists, the capitalist West, to socialist first, and then to communism. Now, is there anyone thinking that communism is a good idea? I did a bit of research for this show and sadly because I've spoken too much I've kind of ran out of time I don't have to go through it it'll probably be another I'll do a special show on it but you look up just google mass killings under communist regimes it'll tell you a great history and I joke and I'm being facetious it's a tragic history all the places Soviet Union the Red Terror the Great Purge, Mongolia, Soviet killings during World War II, the Great Leap Forward, the Great Proletariat Culture Revolution, Cambodia. You get to read about Mao and Stalin and all these great people who killed, you know, probably a hundred million people combined. It's a great, great history. How sad would it be? You know what? Maybe some people don't care about this question, but I'm going to put it out there. How sad would you be if you were George Washington right now? You fought for your country. And George Washington's my personal hero, but you can insert whichever founding father is your personal hero. George Washington, James Madison, Thomas Jefferson, John Adams... Whoever, Benjamin Franklin, whoever is your personal hero, what must they be thinking now? I fought and I died, and I helped found the greatest nation ever born. And just 250 short years later, it has succumbed to greed, to selfishness, to anger. 
to there is no freedom it's all about collectivism it's all about big government how sad would that be how sad would it be for them to understand that America might go on the path and in many ways already is there where the king they fought against would be considered a freedom loving person compared to today's government just think about that for a minute Sanders winning or not Sanders winning the election in a traditional sense and becoming the nominee but Sanders winning all those states and and getting credibility and even the states he lost it wasn't a rejection of his principles or his values it was well Hillary Clinton got the black vote that's a signal to everyone around go 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 America is prime for us they haven't rejected his ideas so in many ways I see if Bernie Sanders and America follows that path and more and more government whether it be because he has a D beside his name an R beside his name or an I beside his name those don't matter government is key right now and it seems many are willing to embrace it the other revolution is up for grabs the second one and I think it's the election of people like well it'll never happen I don't think John Kasich on the Republican side and Hillary Clinton on the Democratic ticket which could happen it's more of a status quo you'll keep going this slow build in revolution fundamentally eroding rights and and principles and you don't there's no room for purists and ideologues it's all about compromise and the great compromises that happen at government levels but eventually that system will collapse because this election shows between Bernie Sanders in the Democratic Party and the likes of Donald Trump in the Republican Party that politicians don't have the power secured as much as they would it's not a good old boys club anymore radical change can happen Oh, and by the way, if you think there are people in Hollywood right now, the likes of Will Smith, and he's openly said it. Yeah, I could run for president. That's the one thing Donald Trump has done. That will happen on the left side even more so. So, the election of the likes of John Kasich and Hillary Clinton would just be a status quo be the typical Republican thing, you know. We'll get to socialism. It'll just take us five years longer than the Democrats. The third revolution is if Trump gets elected. And this is where everyone goes crazy at me. Trump getting elected will be America following French Revolution politics. If you don't believe me, just listen to his words. And let me focus in on just one word that he uses. It's not about his policy or his principles. It's about one word and what he says each and every speech about a hundred times. It's all about winning. Winning. When you have winners, you have losers. You look at who he said is going to win. America's going to win. The Christians are going to win. 
Businesses are going to win. Rights are not about winners and losers. Rights are eternal. It's not about winning. You know, I saw a great quote the other day when I was doing my prep for this, and I wrote it down. Don't gain the world and end up losing your soul. Donald Trump and winning. If winning is all that's important to you, then you deserve what you become. Because here's the question for you, America. And I apologize if you're not a sports fan, but it's the only example I can think of right now to give you. If you're down in soccer and you're losing and you desperately need to win because all that's important to do is win, would you be okay with diving to get a penalty? Do the means matter or is it just all about winning? How you do things is important. But here's the bigger point. French Revolution. The reason I say this is the scorecard is clear for the world to see. When it comes to revolutions, America won, France six. And why did France have six revolutions? Because it was all about, as I said before, those three tenets of the French Revolution. Freedom, equality, brotherhood. One person got to power. And again, I plan to do a special down the road just solely on the French Revolution, just to share the history. I don't have time for this show. But one party got power, and they won. And the oppressed people then licked their wounds, and they got together, and they get marched, and they formed, and they plotted. And then they overthrew the people in power. And then they got power. And they imposed their will. And then the people who lost power licked their wounds. And they banded together and became better and stronger. And then they plotted to get the power back. And when you see this happening, it's clear for one thing to see. The poor innocent people in this are the innocent bystanders. Trump, through his actions, where he's already admitted, you know, you got to get a bit of establishment, you know, you got to make a deal. I wrote a book about it, The Art of the Deal. It would all be about winning, not about principles. It'll be about winning. And whether he starts it or not, whether he is the person who actually believes in French Revolution politics and starts the whole winning losing thing. He will be the straw that breaks the camel's back. And the next person will start the French Revolution politics. Because they will just need to win. And all the time, what loses? The Constitution, your founding principles, your people. Then you have the election of Cruz, Rubio or Carson. You can pretty much discount Carson because he hasn't got a hope. He admitted so this week. I don't know what revolution Cruz or Rubio will do. I don't think any revolution 
I think they both have their strengths and both have their weaknesses. I include Carson in that as well. The three of them have all strengths and they have their weaknesses. <gasps> sorry, I'm not supposed to say that. Damn, Glenn Beck paid me off to tell me how great Ted Cruz was. Like, sorry. I keep making that mistake, guys. I don't know what it is. In case you haven't noticed, apparently, because I'm now with the Blaze and I work for Glenn, yeah, I, I, I have to believe in everything he believes. I can't dare have a different opinion. I don't know what they will bring in terms of revolution. But after this break, I'm going to lay out as quickly and as succinctly as I can the solution. And guess what? The solution is rather simple. You've done it before. If America wants to survive and prosper like never before, here's what I believe. You can call me a wacko bird, an ideologue, a nutjob, whatever you want to call I believe you need to follow French... Sorry, that was a bad thing. You need to follow American revolutionary principles. You need to follow your history. I'm going to lay out that case right after this break. Please stay with me, America. This is where the show actually gets uplifting. I'll be right back. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. I'm not personally invested in any politician. These are just people that are are given the authority to do a job, and hopefully they do the job well. I'm not looking for somebody to be a savior. I'm looking for someone to be sane. I'm looking for someone to be competent. To, if not make my life easier, at least stop making my life more difficult. Buck Sexton. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. I hope I hope I've done justice to why I think you're at revolution. You are having massive change. And these are just some of the topics that I see on a daily basis how you are changing as a people. I'm not judging you, I'm just saying this is what I see. I'm putting a spotlight on it. Is this the country you want to become? Now to where I try and lift you up. Because there are many people today who are down on America. You know, it's to use a business term, you know, if America was a stock, I think many people would be ringing up their stockbroker going, sell, 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 sell. I'm not down yet. I'm not down because I still have many beliefs here's the simple fact track record is huge you change the world once and I love and I get this from Americans now you know I don't the America I believe in and the America I talk about doesn't exist it never did it won't happen there are too many people who are just not educated there's not that independent streak that the founding fathers had all these excuses down in America it is radical for me to some Americans and other people Europeans and stuff to say yeah America did it once it can do it a second time 
That's apparently radical. Yet, when you talk to Europeans about other countries and America about other countries, yeah, it's not so radical for a country to do it the first time. So, it's radical to say a country that did something once will do it a second time, but it's totally fine and acceptable and has credence and, and, and credibility to say a country that has never done something, has never done something in their existence, to do it for the first time. Now, that's not knocking other countries. They could do it. But track record means something to me. It's still there. The tenants are still there. The foundations are still there in America today. Your constitution, your people. There are many, many people. I was blessed in my last trip to Texas where I had speaking engagements and meeting people. There is that thirst for knowledge. It's just the problem is that those people who have that thirst for knowledge... They're just everyday Americans like you. You don't have a camera on you going, oh, there's an American who wants to educate themselves and who believes in America. You're going around and you're talking in your churches. You're active in your churches. You're in your community. You're at your Tea Party meeting or your Freedom meeting or your Constitution meeting, whatever meeting group you're part of. There's no cameras there. There never is. There's no one putting a spotlight and you're going, these Americans truly get it. I'll be that spotlight while I can. I've met you. I've spoke to you. I've engaged with you. Didn't always agree with everything you said and you didn't always agree with everything I said. That's okay. But there are people out there. I'm telling you. You are not alone. So what do we need to do? Well, this is something for you to think about what you can do. But the bigger part is this is what this show is going to do. I'm changing this show in many ways. And I'm changing what I'm doing behind the scenes and I'm changing what I'm trying to promote. Because I truly believe we are a revolution and it's time to start seeing the opportunities and start spreading the principles even more so now. I will become like a broken record. You will hate the word principles if you listen to me for any period of time. And for that I apologise that you're offended but that's just who I am so what do we need to do well firstly we need to follow the layout of the Declaration of Independence we need to ask ourselves questions and promote the answers to these questions in public rights where do they truly come from do rights come from God Do rights come from government? Do rights come from a king? Do rights come from democracy and what's popular today? And Or do rights come from an action? Well, you voted, you have certain rights. You didn't vote, you have none. Where do rights come from? Now, I'm going to try my best to say rights come from God, our, your creator. You were born with them. They're not up for election, they're not up for discussion, and they sure as hell ain't up for compromise. Principles. Which ones are eternal? Which ones are eternal that matter today? They are your fundamental foundations. Again, these are not up for discussions. These are not, well, in good times my principles are these, and in bad times, well, my principles change. 
Which principles are eternal for you? For me, there are many. But if you want me just to throw out a few, I'll throw out, since we're talking about your Declaration of Independence, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Do we believe in the principle of life today? Ask yourself that question. Do we believe in the rights to liberty? Or do we believe in the rights to make, to live, to pursue what makes us happy? And I'll throw out a controversial one. I will stand for the principle which is eternal, the right to property. That was the third right in your declaration, in the Declaration of Independence, before your founders changed. We then need to lay out what we stand for. What do you stand for? Do you stand for the individual or do you stand for the collective? Do you stand for freedom or do you stand for tyranny? Tell me what you stand for. Tell me and stand for it. But don't just stand for it. Live that principle. It's easy to talk about principles, but it's damn hard to live by them, especially when they go against you and they hurt you. Here are other things we need to do. And I know people are going, well, what about all these grievances I have against the government? I'm going to get to those. But we need to work on other things. Because I am. it's great hearing people. I can talk to anyone in the street and tell me what you're against. Anyone can do that. I don't like this. I don't like that. That's so easy. It's time to have the harder conversation. Your founders got this. What else do we need to do? We need to humanize the individual. Again, I hate using these labels. But quote unquote, the conservative opinion and view on life was we believe in the individual not the collective yet we have done so much harm to the individual by dehumanizing them we put them into groups i know this i i know this is only a pet peeve of mine but it's huge the amount of conservatives quote unquote who use the term the middle class it goes against everything your nation was founded on. We don't put people into classes, into groups, into collectives. We believe in the individual. We are eroding the individual so much today. It's, well, I don't see an individual with emotions and feelings and an experience and a track record. I just see a voting record. And if they don't vote the way I like or I feel they should vote, I'm going to insult them, I'm going to demean them, and I'm going to destroy them. We need to humanize the individual. And I know, next thing we need to do, this won't apply to everyone. We need to light a fire under our churches. We need to inspire churches. If you read American history, you will understand that before the Declaration of Independence that I am partly quoting from now, everything that was said was said from a pulpit. It wasn't just July 2nd, 1776. Oh, we'll have a declaration of independence and we'll poll test some words. No. Where was that idea? Where was that spark for freedom lit? It was at the pulpits. And we need to inspire the pulpits to inspire that change again. And if they won't do it, we will. It's not, well, the churches won't do it and churches suck and, well, that's it over. 
Now, if you don't, if something you think needs to happen doesn't do, you do it. You have more power today than you have ever had before between social media, SoundCloud, iTunes. Hey, you're listening to a guy who's 6,000 miles away. If that doesn't prove it to you that you can do anything, I don't know what does. We need to redefine man's relationship, firstly with his fellow man and secondly with his government. What relationship should they have? And we need to stand for it. Then we need to tell what wrongs are against you, what has hurt you. But we must change our messaging. It's too easy and it's not successful telling people what you're against. So some, let me give you some examples. Who would be inspired by me, put your liberal hat on for a minute, by someone like me who, I'll, I'll use my beliefs, hey, you know what we need to do? We need to abolish the IRS and destroy the Department of Education. Who's going to be inspired by that going, yeah, I want to join that? We need to change our messaging. We need to be for something. So instead of saying, I want to abolish the IRS and I want to abolish all these taxes, how about we start telling people what we're for? And I'm not promoting him, I'm just saying one of his taglines, Ted Cruz, is I want to do, be able, the individual to be able to do their taxes on a postcard. Okay, great, well then let's start promoting what we're for instead of what we're against. Education. I want to destroy the Department of Education. Yes, I do. But how about we start telling people what we're for? I am for the role of education being decided as close to the parent and the child as possible. I am for school choice. And taking the power away from the federal government and where possible putting it to the states and where even more possible putting it to the local communities and local school boards. That is a message that might resonate. If you don't agree with what I'm saying, change it around. But let's start telling people what we're for and not what we're against. We need to start promoting maximum freedom. I love people on the right, quote unquote, who say, I'm all for freedom. For me, that's an incomplete statement. We need to start promoting maximum freedom, but maximum responsibility. We need to start using proper principled arguments and let me give you just a couple the the debate on gay marriage is so wrong oh, I'm for, for traditional marriage I, I'm for one man and one woman and, well I'm for one man and one man and one woman and one woman that argument is never going to win it's just going to cause division and hatred how about we work hard in our people with our friends and our families and our communities and our churches to actually change the debate here's the question the question is what marriage are you for the question is why the hell is government involved in marriage in the first place explain that to me give you another quick example Obamacare well we gotta repeal Obamacare we gotta repeal and replace it with this and we gotta repeal and replace it with that I've heard these arguments for six years now that isn't the argument the argument is principled hey socialized medicine good or bad hey socialized medicine what should it do hey what should the government do when it comes to healthcare what role does it have and then when you define that role then you can have an argument over the policies of Obamacare, Romney Care, Hillary Care, Medicare, Medicaid, Medicaid Part 2, D 
Then you can have arguments over policy, but let us first have an argument over the principle and let's clearly define what we think should happen. Lastly, for those who say you can't make a change, that you can't make a difference, you can make a difference. There are people voting for Trump right now who feel that they have no say, they have no voice, they can't change anything. And that's why they want an outsider. Okay. You want to vote for Trump, vote for Trump. But I'm here to tell you, with every fiber in my being, you not being able to make a difference is BS. I am truly sorry you feel that way. I truly am. But it's wrong. If you want proof, here's a challenge for you this weekend. And it's real simple. Go outside your door... Walk up to a stranger and with all the meaning you can muster, say, hello, how are you today? And actually want an engaging conversation. You want to know how you can make a difference? If there's someone in your community, go buy them a paper, go buy them a loaf of bread. Go say over to them and say, hi, I'm just checking in on you. And then after you do that, sit in a chair and ask yourself one question. Whatever little action you did, did you think that changed that person's day? Do you think you made that person's day better? Now that's a simple, simple thing. A two-year-old child can do that. Now imagine if you actually started promoting principles that change you would make. Just imagine the power that you would have. And here's the last question I will leave you with. And this is not an attack. This is a question you need to decide. Because this is what I stand for. If you truly believe in the heart of hearts that you can't make a difference, what makes you think it's going to get better by putting someone in there who is going to make a difference? If you truly feel you can't make a difference, surely then the answer is, well, what we need to do as individuals and as families and as community and as churches and as for you guys as a country, the answer is we need to empower people. We need to be better at empowering and educating and inspiring and encouraging your fellow citizens who believe they can't make a difference, not just voting for someone to put them in. The real change that happens in America, the real revolution that happens, that I hope you follow, that revolution will happen at the grassroots and at the individual and at the state level. Not, well, some bureaucrat taught this up and, wow, the country's changed. These are some of the things I stand for and I'm going to do my damnedest to get that message out there, to inspire you, to testify to your greatness, to start helping you see the individual and to start laying that roadmap out for principles, for the constitution, for God, for faith, for charity. As always, I thank you so much for tuning in today I hope I've made you think I hope I've pushed you up against that idea wall and said think about this as always I need your support I would appreciate it if you would like comment and share this content 
on SoundCloud or iTunes. And if you're on iTunes, please consider leaving a review. I finish today's show as always. I salute your police, your firefighters, your emergency personnel and your vets. And most of all, I salute you, the American people. You are will what will win this revolution of ideas. You are the solution to Washington's problems. You are the solution to tyranny. Please, please, please never, ever give up. Keep fighting for liberty, for freedom. God bless you and God bless America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network.